Welcome to the Blister Podcast, a program dedicated to interesting people, the great outdoors, and a bunch of other stuff we like. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and as always, you can check out everything we've got going on over at blisterreview.com. A few days ago, I spoke with one of the best big mountain skiers in the game, Elise Sogstad, as she was packing her bags to leave for South America, where she is now. Just a few weeks earlier, Elise had been in Argentina on a different trip, so it seemed like now was a good time to check in with Elise and catch up on everything she's got going on. Elise and I talk about the soon-to-be-released film All In from Matchstick Productions, about the evolution of that film, and the experience of teaming up with several other big mountain rock stars, Angel Collinson, Michelle Parker, and Tata Minogue. We then talk about growing up in Alaska and growing up figure skating and dancing, and also ski racing and transitioning to big mountain skiing. I also get an update from Elise on Safe As, which is the backcountry education program she co-founded, and then we somehow also get into surfing, baseball, football, fantasy football, hockey, and that one time when Elise partied with the Stanley Cup. This is a fun one and a good one, and Elise is definitely very actively showing all of us the value in continuing to seek out new ways to challenge ourselves and grow. This episode of the Blister Podcast is presented by the 750 plus miles of trail in Gunnison and Crested Butte, Colorado. As I keep telling you, because I care about you and want you to be happy, If you haven't ridden around Gunnison and Crested Butte, you need to come check it out. And September and October are phenomenal times to do so. And whether you are feeling more in the mood for some fairly chill riding and some epic scenery, or whether you want to go scare yourself a bit while trying not to be distracted by all of that epic scenery, the Gunnison Valley Trail Network has you covered with trails that riders of every experience level will love. Just go to mtbhome.com to learn more about the riding in Crested Butte and Gunnison, then book your trip, and then thank me later. And now, let's get to my conversation with Elise Sogstad, the woman that Cody Townsend somehow unbelievably and against all odds convinced to marry him. Elise, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks. How are you, Jonathan? I'm doing well. And let's see, I, where, where are you today and, uh, and what are you doing? I am actually at home in Tahoe, Tahoe City, uh, packing up and getting ready to go to Portillo tomorrow. I haven't been around much this <laughs> last month or so, so um, and I won't be for the next six weeks either. So being at home is a treat. Excellent. Well, you were in South America not too long ago. You're heading back. And I thought, you know what? This is a really good time to check in with you and uh, have a conversation and just get a better sense of what you're up to. So this trip, you're leaving tomorrow, you said. What's what's happening in, in Portillo? I'm heading down to Portillo to do a week with Blizzard. We're just going down there to have a good time, really. It's uh, We'll be taking some photos and 
be working on our goggle tans because <laughs> the snow there it's it there's not much snow in the forecast and the temperatures are really warm but honestly I've gone down to South America in the past and have uh, gone down to the exact same weathering conditions and your spring skiing and, and I love it I absolutely mm-hmm. love spring skiing so it's um, skiing's not always about just skiing powder as much as mm-hmm. we all love it there's other aspects to skiing that are pretty dang fun. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Uh, what was this previous South America trip you were on? What one was that about? Yeah, just a few weeks ago, I was down in Bariloche, Argentina, with the MSP crew. Uh, we were filming our final segment for this year's movie, All In. Uh, the crew was Tatum, Manode, Angel Collinson, Michelle Parker, and myself. So... Just a, it was a dream trip for me. Um, I got to work with Angel and Michelle quite a bit this past year, but Tatum was still dealing with her knee injury that she sustained about a year and a half ago now. Uh, so she wasn't able to film it all last winter. And this trip was kind of her first real big getting back on skis. She did ski a handful of times throughout the winter, but it caused a lot of pain. So she didn't get very far with it. And this trip was getting her back in the mountains and all of us just having a wonderful time. Uh, the, the conditions were variable, but we did have some fun snow to work with. And we were drinking a lot of wine and dancing and just having a wonderful time down there. So it felt like a, it felt like a vacation, which is not often how I feel on film trips. Hmm. <laughs> So, had you spent much time actually skiing with Tatum before, or no. was this this was the first time? This was actually my first time getting to ski with her. So, okay. yeah, and it was re- it was exciting. She's a phenomenal skier, and and even though she has a lot to get through, of still just trying to gain her confidence back and her her just the the laser vision that you have as a pro skier, you know, just being able to step up and jump right in. But I, by the end of the week, I saw a lot of things going really well for her and she was really pumped. And the last day we had together, I got to do this really amazing rock ride, which was the first rock ride I've ever done in my life. And it was, I was pretty excited about that. And Tatum was there for it. And she did a version of a rock ride herself. And then we got to hit a cliff and she, you know, get catching some air. And so it was pretty cool to see. And we were having just a blast. Um, So, yeah. This is frankly just kind of a murderer's row of skiers. Mm-hmm. Michelle Parker, Angel Collinson, you and Tatum. Yeah. We need to talk about this for a minute. I mean, um some badass chicks have gathered together before, but that is just a remarkable lineup. Definitely. And you know, I think each one of us just feels so honored and excited to ski with the rest of the girls that we we don't take it lightly either. Um, you know, it's not often either that you are you can get that handful of women all in the same trip doing that. You know, it's so it's pretty cool. Um, 
you know, it's the one thing it was, it wasn't, you know, the one thing about filming and, and when we're, I think as athletes, uh, peaking of really progressing and charging super duper hard is it, it Mm -hmm. takes an entire winter to build up to that. And so that's why in March and April, we're able to, you know, dial the notch or, um, turn up the dial up to 10, right. And charge super hard. And it's a little hard. I, I realized on this trip where you go from not skiing for several months and then you literally are in ski boots day one, putting on your skis and having to film. And so it's hard to kind of wrap your head around and be like, okay, I've, I've got to kind of get after it. But Um, as I mentioned, we had variable conditions, so it wasn't like we were able to really put ourselves in positions where we were having to, I don't know, kind of scare ourselves. Um, but the whole point of what I was getting at was that that was the the one small thing that I was a little bummed about. I was like, oh man, I'm not on a trip with these girls where we are just in this position where we're all sending it and getting after it it was more of just a really fun ski trip which is is a is a good thing in itself i think that's what skiing is about in the fact that Mm -hmm. you can do trips in so many different ways but i think the idea of when you get that caliber of skiers together people have the expectations of oh man let's see what they can do so Mm -hmm. that this trip wasn't wasn't about that but but on the same token, you know, Tatum was getting back into the game. So there were a lot yep. of great things going on. So just among the group, and this would have been this would have been fun to be a fly on the wall. Were you guys talking much about this experience of filming together? Or was it more like like you said, this was a vacation. We were just catching up and talking, and you know, then the next day we would go ski some lines. Yeah, I th- I think that um, we adapted to the situation. Um, you know, if the, if the conditions were all time, I think we would have approached it differently, um, and had our game faces on a little more, but because we were dealing with such challenging conditions, make the best of it and just enjoy yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, meaning that like, I would have still enjoyed some wine in the evening, but I probably would have stopped at one glass. But because (laughs) this trip was, you know, not worrying about having to um, be like full throttle the next day, then you're like, okay, well, I can maybe have another glass of wine. It's okay. (laughs) So, so I think that was kind of the difference. Uh, Hmm. But we were all, we we did keep talking about when we were out in the field, like, this is so fun. I'm so excited to be standing on top of this mountain with you. It was so cool to hike up this with you. Look at, you know, it it was really good vibes. And it's hmm. funny because, you know, I think sometimes people think, oh, you put a bunch of women together and they're not going to get along and things are going to get really catty. And it's the total opposite. Knowing your group, I would not have anticipated cattiness uh, <laughs> at all. So it mostly just seems like that is an extremely cool group of folks uh, that are gathered. So talk to me a little bit about this all in movie. I mean, you know, it, it was funny. I, when I was kind of first hearing about the film and even I think till fairly recently, knowing sort of exactly what the kind of storyline this year or what the angle was, it, it's, it sure feels at least like that's kind of been maybe evolving. Is, 
Is that accurate? Yes. Um, And part of the reason why it has evolved is because there is one person that is not going to be making an appearance in this movie that was a part of the project at the get-go, and that's Ingrid Backstrom. Mm -hmm. Um, Us women had come together, and we we had decided that we really wanted to do a project together. And this whole idea started, oh, gosh, about two years ago now. Um, And... We were talking and like we, we really need to make this happen. We all want the chance to ski together. So we have to take this upon ourselves to make it happen. And so we started shopping the idea around to film companies and sponsors. And Ingrid took the helm with that. She became our leader in all of this and um, got the title sponsor on board. And then when we started skiing this winter, the I headed up to Washington to start filming with Ingrid and day one of filming, basically on our first run where it was a powder day. It was awesome. Um, she ended up, we jump in a little cliff and, and her knee gave out her, her patellar tendon snapped Hmm. and that was that. It was hmm. so frustrating for her and it got my, my heart broke because I was literally just, I don't know, 30 minutes before we were standing on top and we were conversing about the fact that, oh my God, this is really finally happening. We are filming together. I couldn't mm-hmm. even uh, 10 years ago, I couldn't imagine that this would mm-hmm. be happening. This is <laughs> so freaking cool. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so that that kind of put a quick kibosh on Ingrid's filming for the winter, which is really unfortunate. So she was a big part of the original um, movie plot plot line, mm-hmm. and then the the trip that we were going to do this summer that also was supposed to include Ingrid. But um, so the other thing to throw in the fire is Ingrid was also pregnant. She was a mm-hmm. couple months pregnant at that time, and she also figured it'd be okay to get out there and film a little bit. No worries. But the the knee injury took her out. So once we figured this summer came along, we could get down to South America and all have a trip where we're all back together. Tatum with her injury, Tatum um, and Ingrid having her child and also coming back from her knee injury. But her baby was due in July. Um, she had a little girl clover and it ended up being when the window was with the way the movie had to be done by the the certain date we had to have that film trip down in argentina done by a certain date and it was just too close of a window for having a kid and trying to make it down there so ingrid unfortunately wasn't able to and so she will be missed she won't be in the movie and it's it's kind of heartbreaking for us girls because ingrid is uh such an an influential skier for all of us. And um, just having the chance to ski with her would have been amazing. She's a really great person to be with in the mountains. So because that all changed, so then it, it, you know, came down to the four of us and um, 
the other thing that we wanted to do with this movie is we didn't want to exclude men. We didn't want to do this all women's movie because part of the thought process was that we don't just exclusively ski with women. We want to give ourselves the chance to ski with other women in, in films because usually it's just the female token where mm-hmm. us girls are on trips with dudes all the time. Um, but but on the same token, we are out there always skiing with guys. So we wanted to include men that are really important to us and that we ski with. And so <laughs> the movie ended up being where it's equal men and women. And we really like this idea because that is what we're trying to achieve. We're not trying to achieve this idea that women, we should be doing our own thing. It's just, hey, we we deserve to be in this as much as the men. And let's just get a little more equal representation going and, and make a movie that um, appeals to everyone, not just men, not just women, not just kids, but everyone. Yeah. So I think that this movie will do that because the caliber scheme for the women is pretty amazing in this movie. And then you've got the typical guys that absolutely shred as well. So it's, I think it'll be a fun one. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing it for sure. Um, and I don't know. I mean, it, it is, I guess I'd like to get your take on how you think we're doing, you know, um, Because I found myself like just nodding along, agreeing with everything you just said about, yeah, like I ski with a lot of guys. I ski with a lot of girls. It's never, it just never dawns on me to be like, we're skiing with our girlfriends Mm -hmm. today. You know, it's like, it's just a group. And I guess I maybe don't have enough of a sense of if that's rare, if that's common. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Where, Where do you think we are? you know, 35% of skiers are women, or maybe it's a little more than that. Now it's been steadily increasing percentage wise over the years since like, I don't know, I started paying attention to that about 10 years ago. And I think that, I mean, there's so many women getting into sports and just from a pure business perspective, it's absolutely silly to ignore this category. You know, women, Mm. women, are just as much a part of skiing as men are and they should be and it they make it a lot more fun when things aren't as exclusive i think that uh, there's more flavor added and i think mm-hmm. women have something to bring to the table and i think it's really normal for you know of course there's going to be days where it's just dudes or just women and there's mm-hmm. days where it's mixed and i think that it's important to embrace it all yeah. Well said. Do we know yet when is what's going on with All In? When are we going to be able to start seeing it? Do you have a handle on some of that? Yeah, I do. The well, the world premiere is at Snowbird on September twenty second. I'm sure it's going to be a heck of a party. It's during Oktoberfest, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then that'll kick all the movie premieres off. I know the one at Squaws October. 5th um and gosh there's just you just have to go to their website skimovie.com and you'll see they've got a list of premieres up uh they're not all posted yet there's still plenty more to be added so if you normally get an msp movie where you live um and you don't see that stop on the website yet that doesn't mean it's not coming i think they're just still 
working out those details, but there are quite a few planned already. And, um, and I, I have no idea when they'll release it on iTunes and whatnot, but yeah, yeah, I think it's going to be pretty exciting. I know some of us ladies are definitely going to try and be at some of those movie premiere stops. And so I think it'll be a good time. Hope to see everyone out. I want to selfishly ask you a couple questions about your background and kind of growing up and coming up. Cause I know some of these details, I definitely don't know all of them. And so for anyone who somehow knows less than I do at this point, let's just start with the basics. Where did you grow up? Yes. Born and raised in Alaska, um, Girdwood, Alaska. I also spent some time living in Anchorage as well for, to get technical about it, but, (laughs) but, uh, no, I spent my youth growing up in Girdwood skiing at the resort of Elieska. Uh, it was a great childhood. The, the fact that I could come home from school and go jump on the mountain and go skiing in the afternoon was a great thing. Um, and that growing up in Alaska in the Chugach and that style of mountains really influenced my style of skiing. And of I will also say that when I eventually moved to Tahoe, that helped round out my skiing. Um, for I, I think that the 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 scene of Squaw and all the cliffs that you can jump off of, it's like just this playground with not a lot of consequence because there's not tons of exposure at Squaw, so you can give stuff a go and not have to worry about it being a death defying experience. Mm-hmm. But you know the the love for the style of skiing I do do though definitely stems from growing up in Alaska, being on huge steep mountains, skiing super fast. It's that's that's my jam. Mm-hmm. So you, um, you know, as is maybe the case with a lot of kids growing up in Girdwood, you just made it. There was no part of your story where you was you were like. Uh, my parents didn't want me to ski or I really didn't dig it at first. I mean, you, you just went right into like sort of as if it was given, you know, right. of course I started skiing. Of course I loved it, but say, say a, a word more about that. <laughs> right. Well, well, here's one funny thing. They, um, if you don't grow up in a ski town, you would assume that everyone that lives in that ski town, when they grow up, that they all ski or snowboard or whatever it is, because there's a resort right there, but it's so not true. And in fact, you know, it was only a handful of kids that actually skied on a regular basis that lived there in Girdwood. Um, so it's not always normal, but I think that for myself, I was drawn to sports at a young age. Um, I also grew up figure skating and did dance as well to, Hmm. for the figure skating. And I did that very intensely. Um, I mean, by the time I was, I don't know, eight, nine, 10 years old, I was spending four hours a day at a skating rink, six days a week. Wow. Sort of thing. And then until winter kicked in, then I balanced it out with skiing. And eventually when I turned the age of 15, I, switched all my attention to ski racing. Um, that's when you can start racing fists and Mm -hmm. I was doing really well at it. And I guess I was a little burnt on figure skating. And so I just naturally just didn't have the time to continue skating, 
take on the extra amount of training that skiing required and then also do well at school. I mean, that was a big caveat for my parents. For me to ski was or just do any of my sports and travel all the time was that I had to do well in school. So I had no problem with that just as long as I got to play my sports. And I had, yeah, that's what it took. I think this is the first conversation I've ever had with anyone who's really done figure skating. But the older I get, I used to hate figure skating because of like sequins and t- and bad makeup. <laughs> yeah. But that sport is gnarly. Yes, it's really intense. It's very competitive. And especially, you know, there's certain sports that are very competitive for women. And that yeah. is one of them. Um, so it takes a lot of passion and determination and I don't know, just a a lot of time for sure. And, and and I, I gotta assume too, like performing hurt. (laughs) Why would it hurt? Well, because ice is real hard. Oh yes. Yeah, for sure. But it's funny because, um, you, like, I could see how you would think that, but a lot of times you there's momentum when you crash. I yeah. mean, if you plop okay. straight down, yes, it's going to hurt. There are certain times, yes, it does hurt. But if if you think about it and you're you're doing like an arc, you know, like let's just any kind of jump, um, and you're arcing in the air, and then when you come down you're going to kind of continue. If you crash, the momentum is going to keep going fluidly across the ice versus more just straight down. It's kind of like with skiing too. And and maybe this is why I do well with jumping cliffs and feeling good about it is if you're to jump a cliff and skiing and you, you ski right up to it and stop and then try and jump off of it. Well, it's a lot harder to land because you have no momentum carrying you forward. You just plop. And mm-hmm. this is why I always say speed is your friend. If you ski into it fast, um, or with some kind of speed, you're going to create more momentum to continue the, the force going forward. So when you land, it's not just a straight down plop, but you're moving forward. So, mm-hmm. yeah. This has been super enlightening. <laughs> needless to, yeah, needless to say, I think figure skating did a lot of wonderful things to set me up hmm. for skiing. Um, not only for things like balance, but it also I started um, to learn a lot of discipline at a really young age, and so I, I was able to carry that over into my other. Sp- other things I did. Mm-hmm. By the way, we have to say for the record, because um, this is the sort of thing I like to keep track of, you know, when we look at uh, prominent big mountain skiers, men and women, right? There's still, I think, seems to be a, a sort of weird bit of divide where it's like, oh, you're a racer. Oh, that's cool. But like I ski big mountains, but it, except the fact that every prominent big skier out there, almost without exception, comes from a race background. And you are you are simply continuing this trend. Yes. Oh, my goodness. I appreciate the fact that I grew up ski racing because it teaches you so much. One, technique. And two, 
it also teaches you how to be aggressive and determined and competitive and to be confident in the mountains. Uh, when I started competing in big mountain competitions, I was used to the idea of standing on top of something and thinking like, okay, this is what I got to do. And, and I got to go for it. So Mm -hmm. I appreciate it completely. And, and to be honest with you, when I, when it comes time to the Olympics, the events that are the most, I'd much rather watch the ski racing than I do the new freestyle events. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's not that I don't enjoy watching park and pipe, but but the ski racing for me is where it's at. And the competition, especially for the women, is so competitive. They're at such mm-hmm. an amazing level of athletic ability that it's just, I'm in awe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. As am I. And I just, um, I don't know. Again, I, this might be one of those things where maybe, maybe, Maybe I'm wrong about this, and I hope I am, but it just still sometimes feels like we go, okay, racers over there mm-hmm. and sort of free riders over there, and I don't get that divide yeah. at all. It's funny. I don't I, – I see what you're talking about, but I guess now that I've spent so much – I um, ski at Squaw, it's a resort where there's the most U.S. ski team athletes, I believe, have come from Squaw. Um, for, of any hmm. other resort in the nation. Hmm. And there's such a huge component of free riding. And there always was, I think, a part of the ski team is when Cody Townsend, my husband, will talk about how they used to free ride all the time um, on training days. That was part of kind of how they taught the kids to ski. And so you have people like him, and then you've got Travis Ganong, who's this amazing world cup athlete, but yet he's a phenomenal free skier. And then you've got Julia Mancuso, same thing. You yeah. know, she <laughs> amazing ski racer that, you know, she competed, she's done a couple stops on the Fred world tour before. And, um, so I think here where I ski, there's a lot more crossover and it's not so much, um, look down upon. I mean, if it's, if there's people that have any issues of thinking they're cooler than someone else, then man, you're, you're not, (laughs) maybe you need to look at yourself. You're not cool. So I I think there's something that we can take from all the different aspects of skiing and apply it to Uh, our own. So a hundred percent. Yeah. Well said. Okay. So just a little more on sort of growing up and coming up. Um, so Skiing, figure skating, were there other other sports or activities that you were sort of obsessed with, or would those be the two primary? I had to do a little dance, ballet, yeah. jazz, et cetera, and that was all for our figure skating. However, I, I loved it. My, I didn't, I wasn't forced to go, but it was yeah. kind of that thing that you, you just, you had to do it if you figure skated. And yep. to tell you the truth, that took up so much time, so much time. I had no time for any other sports growing up. Uh, yep. Like I mentioned with figure skating, in the summertime for figure skating, I'd be at a skating rink seven hours a day, six days a week, um, yeah. you know, at a very young age. And and then when skiing, as you get older with that, you have dry land in the summer 
Um, and, And you could definitely play some other sports, but it's, it's just so intense year round. Um, even though you're not skiing year round that you can keep your hands pretty full with that. So, so it sounds, it sounds like coming up, you, maybe the initial aspirations were to become a sort of pro figure skater. (laughs) Is that accurate? Yeah. Well, and ski racer. Oh man. Watching the Olympics when I was a child, there was this, the, the small dream of like, oh my gosh, what if I could be in it for figure skating and skiing? That would be That's amazing. amazing. But oh, I mean, yeah. that, that was such a pipe dream, you know, and it's, <laughs> it's not like I was a little more realistic than that as a kid. However, I did do very well at both my sports. So it wasn't that it was, um, you know, I was driven and, and there is a purpose, but eventually, uh, like most sports to try and be really competitive at any sport, you have to dedicate all of your time. So, yep. Yeah. So on the ski side, I think you may have already mentioned um, one name, but who who were you looking up to, you know, as a kid? And, I, you know, you started in racing. I don't really know when sort of big mountain skiing, if, if that happened sort of after the race years or I mean, who, yes. given, given the life you have now and what you've been up to for the last, you know, five to 10 years, who were you watching back then? And who was serving as a bit of a role model? When I was growing up in ski racing, my role models were Tommy Moe and Hillary Lynn. They were Alaskans on the U.S. ski team and yeah. other World Cup racers like Pernilla Viberg. Uh, she was this Swedish ski racer that was she'd she'd win the all around she was good at all the events and i was really impressed by her um and mark giardelli um it wasn't until i went to college that the whole free ride free ski world started to even come about and that is when my it's like a light bulb went off in my head as well um and changed things and I was burned out on skiing by that point too, or ski racing, excuse me. So yeah, it made a lot of sense to, I, I mm-hmm. think that I, really interesting. I mean, I almost probably, if I had continued ski racing in college, I, I was so burnt out, I quit and I, I had got a academic scholarship that allowed me to do that. And I believe if I had kept ski racing, I would have been so burnt on skiing I would definitely not be sitting here having this conversation with you if, huh. if I had continued. Um, yeah. But so instead, I got into the whole free ride scene. And mm-hmm. the person that blew my mind right at the start was Jamie Burge. Uh-huh. There was this m- local movie called Butter that <sighs> came out in Tahoe. And I mean, that's when... I mean, it had like Kreitler and McConkey and Sierra Johnson and Jamie. I mean, it had all the major pros in it. So it wasn't like it was some, you know, dinky movie by any means. And Jamie Burge, she did a backflip off the Palisades and she jumped um, the Donner railroad tracks. And I was just like, holy smokes, who is this girl? I've never seen a girl ski like this. Like there's other women that I'd see in other free ride movies at that time. 
And I was like, oh yeah, I could do that. Whatever. You know, of course I not necessarily could do that, but you think that way when you're really young <laughs> and you just, yeah, yeah. you know, you're like, oh, I could do that. I'm like, well, but, but when I watched Jamie, I, I was like, she is above and beyond just crazy and amazing. And wow, that's, you know, not, I can't do that. I need to be able to do that. So that was the first person that really, uh, caught my eye and, just blew my mind. And then I think the next person that really helped click things too was Ingrid Backstrom. Mm -hmm. And that when she had her breakout part in yearbook, you know, that flipped everyone's minds and it was awesome to see. And, and the crazy thing is, is Ingrid and I, we, we grew up together more or less. Uh, We met each other at the age of 14 at hmm. at a ski camp at a western regional <sighs> ski camp and we became pen pals and we kept in touch you know and at such a bummer i know ingrid actually saved some of the letters and i think um in one of the moves at my parents house all my saved letters got thrown away which is unfortunate because it'd be hilarious yeah. to pull those out from ingrid but um and then through the years we did lose touch at college age is as the way things go and then I, you know, I kind of got a whiff that she had gotten to the whole um, free ski scene and then that movie part came out and it was pretty mind blowing. And and, and then it kind of was like, yeah, maybe, maybe I kind of get into this a little more, you know, and like, just why not? So those were the two women that really, um, really left a mark. Yeah. 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 Pretty, pretty good. Yeah. Not, not a bad twosome there. No, no, not at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you also about safe as clinics and see if maybe you could tell us just a little bit about that. And, and maybe, I mean, at least for my interest, I'd love to get just a bit of an update on how things are going with safe as. So safe as is a creation of um, a safety clinic, snow safety clinic by Michelle Parker, Ingrid Backstrom, Jackie Peso, and myself. And um, we also, we've got Lel Tone involved and Sherry McConkie. And the idea was that we wanted to create a snow safety course that was an introductory level to help get people's feet wet because we saw this huge gap where a lot of avalanche clinics, um, you know, they're three day intensive courses and they're not cheap. And we also wanted to focus on women and make it women specific. And the reason why we also wanted to do this is because getting into safety knowledge and getting into the backcountry can be a bit daunting, especially women are generally, um, a little more pragmatic when it comes to taking on new things. Like, you know, the idea of like, well, I'm going to go into the backcountry and I know it's kind of dangerous. I'm not going to go out there until I get educated, but how do I get involved in this? And so we figured by putting on a clinic that was, as I mentioned, introductory level that we could kind of capture an audience to help get more people excited about getting into the backcountry and get them um, educated. And we are in our seventh year 
which hmm. is really exciting. Um, it's it's gained so much traction. I it's you know backcountry education um, has gained more traction in general, but I think that by doing clinics like this, it really helps. Um, it's it's a great thing for all of us pros to do to give back. Um, to our communities and to help get people involved. And, and that's one of the things too, we, we kind of think like, well, maybe if we create an event where there's someone that's really excited about meeting Michelle Parker, um, but maybe isn't like super into backcountry education because they don't maybe realize how important it can be, but they yeah. really want to go to an event that Michelle's at. So they'll show up. And then when we, we got their eyeballs and ears on us, we can, um, give them a bunch of information of how it's really important to be educated. So whichever way we're getting people into the class, we're really excited about. And it's great. And we've progressed to the point where we are doing women specific and then also offering co-ed classes as well. Hmm. And part of that goes back to, you know, like what we discussed with the all in that yeah. it's really normal for us women to be out in the field with men. You know, that's quite often, you know, our backcountry partners are our boyfriends or husbands. And so why not go take a class with them? And yep. I think that because the class is taught by all women, that that actually adds a little bit of a different dynamic and mm -hmm. the things that we really um, focus on and think, for example, like communication and, and how we communicate and how important it is and coming from a women's perspective that one, that helps women understand, but two, can also really open the guy's eyes up to, look, this is kind of how we are and this is what, so think about this from a women's standpoint as well. So That's really good. I, I don't think I was aware of the co-ed courses yeah it's a well it's new we started we we tried uh two years ago at squaw we did a trial run and it went really well so last year at squaw we offered one day co-ed and then we had um a weekend at copper and one of the days we offered was co-ed okay all yeah. right that's great and so if people wanted to check out and learn more about safe as clinics mm -hmm. and i don't know if you guys have already set dates for this coming season no, is that we, still TBD? Was, yep, it's to, it's TBD. We uh, just in discussions with resorts right now and trying to get that all worked out. But it'll be in December. It's always okay. in December. That's kind of where we're at right now. The the one downside to the the fact that all of us instructors are professional skiers that are in the yeah. heights of our career that we don't have a lot of time through the season and december is the one time that we can all commit to and then once the season gets going yeah maybe i may have a free weekend in january or a free weekend in february but it's not necessarily the same weekend as the other ladies yeah so um this is when we're able to do it. And then maybe down the road, I mean, it's, I, th I think we'll, we'll be able to do more stops. Um, we'll be able to have dates in different parts of the winter, but that's, that's what it is for now. So it is, yes, to be decided. And um, you can check us out at safeasclinics.com uh -huh. and we will update the information as soon as we know more. Cool. Um, 
life outside of skiing. Yes. <laughs> I, and actually, do I, I actually one? do have one. I, yep, I totally do. <laughs> um, <laughs> I realize that this is the part where I've I've never really talked with you about the mm-hmm. uh, the, the the non-skiing part. So again, mm-hmm. man, this has been a very selfish interview. Uh, so uh, my apologies to everyone, but um, uh, but yeah, I mean, when when you aren't prepping for trips or you know making plans for filming, et cetera. What are you working on or thinking about or pursuing these days? What else, uh, what else outside of skiing? Surfing. <laughs> Short answer. Next question. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I mean, surfing, we, we, uh, I love it so much. And, hmm. and I think one of the reasons why I love it so much is because it provides, um, it's another sport that you can do in the outdoors, but I still have so much to learn and progress and get better at. And because the learning curve is, um, I can see improvement on all the trips that I take that it's really rewarding hmm. where sometimes with skiing, you know, the, the improvements that one can make when you get to a certain level are in smell and it's yeah. really you know, hard to always feel like you're accomplishing a lot, um, in the same regard. And it's just, I, it, it's free. It's not, you know, there's, there's not that side of work to it. So I love that. But, um, as I mentioned, I'm just really into sports in general. There's a lot of things we do around Tahoe from mountain and biking and hiking. And I love going to yoga and spend time in the gym too. I spend a lot of time in the gym. Um, got to keep that side up to be able to, uh, do all our sports. Um, yeah. I, I love sports in general. So I love the San Francisco giants and Cody and I watch a lot of baseball. We love the giants. Um, love. When did, when did you get into baseball? When I moved here. Okay. Yeah. I admit I was not a fan growing up. I thought it was so boring and slow. And then I went to a giants game and I'm forever hooked and I am a fanatic about it. Um, Hmm. We also love football. Cody comes from a football family, super into that, super into fantasy football. And that's a big thing too going on right now because I've got both, um, I got two drafts coming up this next week. (laughs) Yeah. This is amazing. Yeah. You know that I've like, I, yeah, I grew up playing football and I have never, ever played fantasy football. Seriously. It is so fun. Oh my gosh. It is so fun. And I, I, the silver lining to it all, besides it, it kind of eats away your time. I mean, I listen to fantasy football podcasts and <laughs> I drive a lot, so it makes it's, it's a good way to kill time. It, and it's a good way to like also kind of interject something light and with all the like, I listen to a lot of political podcasts and that kind of yeah. stuff. So it's a good thing to kind of help yeah. um, lighten up on, on the mind a little bit. But yeah. Um, Oh, it's so fun and addictive. This is amazing. I yeah. had no idea. So are you listening to like Matthew Berry's? Yeah. Uh-huh. I yep. listen to him. Yep. He's, he's, okay. he's awesome. Do and you have like so posters annoying. of him up in like oh in your God. house? Oh my God. He's, he's an, he's an annoying character. He does a good job <laughs> at, at, at kind of driving you crazy, but it's one of those okay. people you get kind of used to being annoying. So then you can kind of get past it and just 
cut through the noise a little bit. And I do, you know, with podcasts, fast forward a little bit too. Yeah. (laughs) Get to the good stuff. Um, Well, hopefully nobody fast forwards this section of this podcast (laughs) because this just blew my mind. (laughs) Yeah. Two two fantasy drafts coming up and listening to fantasy football podcasts. I did not see that coming. Yeah. Um, it's funny. That's the one thing that we joke about, like all the, the girls, um, in skiing that I'm like the, the total sport jock. Um, I mean, you wouldn't necessarily guess that by the way I, I dress and stuff. I'm definitely not some like total tomboy by any means. I'm the first girl to put on a pair of heels probably in our group of skier girls, but, um, yep. I, I love my sports. Yeah. That's awesome. I don't hear you talking about basketball no i you know it's i haven't really gotten into basketball i kind of was into college um because i went to unm my first couple years and they had a really good basketball team back Mm -hmm. then and um and alaska had a couple of really good players um come out and went to good college schools um so with trajan langdon trajan langdon yep and um oh my goodness who am i he and then he he paid for the Utah Jazz. Actually, they ended up being way better than Trajan Langdon was. Um, why am I forgetting his name? Boy, I'm bl- I'm blanking on this one too. Oh my gosh, it's so bad. I'm not thinking of. But it just goes to show I've kind of lost interest in basketball. But yeah. um, Cody Cody's gotten more onto the Warriors bandwagon. So we do have the games on <clears throat> when we get home in the springtime when ski season's done. Um, sure. But and I know it's a really it's a growing sport. I think it's the fastest growing of all the major professional sports, um, which is cool. But, and I used to watch a lot of hockey too. Oh, here's a fun fact. Um, you, you you know, you'd think too growing up figure skating, I watched so much hockey and I, I, for some reason I don't watch it really anymore, but I have drank out of the Stanley cup before. (laughs) Go on. Yeah. Well, one of um, this guy that's the uh, same age as me um, grew up with, he won um, Scotty Gomez when he uh-huh. was a part of the New Jersey Devils, and um, they won the Stanley Cup two times with him. So as every player gets to bring the Stanley Cup home for a couple of days, and so I got a party with the Stanley Cup and drink out of it. <laughs> yeah. That's the, the, the good side to Alaska being so small is that there's a good chance, you know, you know, a lot of the, yep the everybody, everybody, you know, <laughs> even though we all went to different high schools, you're, if you're kind of in that same age group, you kind of, you kind of know everyone. So it's, okay. that's a perk. So we're going to wrap up. I got to let you get back to packing and whatnot, but, um, tough question for you. I'm going to make it tougher, uh, given everything you've just said. So let's say you kind of just had to walk away from skiing and you weren't allowed to sort of try to, you know, double down and sort of, uh, break in on the, the surf world. (laughs) What, where would we find you? What, what, what would you be up to? Oh, goodness. Um, that's a tough question. I, I mean, I see myself getting more into public speaking um, hmm. in general, like, and but that also stems from the career that I've had as a skier, and I've had the opportunity to do a TEDx talk and um, and other public speaking 
event. So I think that that is something I am going to transition into, um, Mm -hmm. you know, just seeing that there is a shelf life to skiing, um, Mm -hmm. in one way or another, but besides that, I mean, I just, I love traveling and I love exploring new places. And yeah, I mean, I, it's funny because I, after I graduated college, I actually meant to just take a couple years off and study for the LSAT and eventually go to law school. But then the whole pro ski thing kicked off. So, um, I did not become, I'd not go down that path and become a lawyer. And I'm not sure how well I would do at a a typical office job. I've found that I like being up on my feet and moving and going. So, yeah. Um, yeah tough say tough to stay what's the good thing about ted talks right you get to walk around (laughs) exactly or a public speaking (laughs) in general and then the the great thing about that particular line of work is it's really on your own accord i mean you 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 do as much as you want or not or you so I think that it could be a fun road to go down. I mean, there's a little bit of fear in public speaking, no matter how good you're at it. So I think that's also kind of a fun thing too. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You keep, uh, you seemingly, if there's a theme here, you, uh, you keep finding new territory to waltz into and maybe it's not super comfortable, but you're, uh, you seem to seek out opportunities to challenge yourself. And I think that generally is a good rule of thumb to like keep living an interesting life. I think so. I think that should be for everyone. It's not that you have to do things that are quite as fearful as maybe, you know, skiing some crazy line, but, but just, if you just push yourself out of your comfort zone a little bit from now and then it kind of awakens your senses and makes you completely present. And it also gives you that feeling of, I don't, I don't know, you, you get, it's like, well, the euphoric feeling you get from accomplishing things. And then sometimes too, you may fail, but that's okay. Mm -hmm. Because then you realize like, Oh, I, I didn't, nothing's nothing bad came of failing. I just, or you figure out a way like, Oh, well that way didn't work. Okay. Let's try it another way. So, um, it's, a good thing for all of us to push our own comfort zones a little bit every now and then. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Well, on that note, I'm going to let you get back to packing and, uh, you know, don't, don't push your comfort zones too hard on this next (laughs) trip, you know, just take it, take it, take it a little easy. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, but, um, I, I hope everything goes well there. And, uh, this has been a fun opportunity to catch up and I appreciate you taking the time and, uh, yeah, kind of bringing us up to speed with everything you've got going on. Thank you so much for giving me the chance to get on your podcast. It's, um, kind of cool. I know Cody's been on it a couple of times, so Thank you yeah, for, yeah. The, we, for the opportunity. We finally got we finally got around to getting his better half on, and yeah. so uh, <laughs> you know, um, so no, this was this was super fun. Yeah, um, it was. Thank you. So, I yeah, yeah I, I look forward to getting back um, back to winter. You know, like get excited with yeah. ski movies coming out in the fall, and we we'll get back to winter and keep things moving along. So, hmm. yeah, me too. 
Me too. Yeah. So, well, and we, you know, I look forward, uh, you and I got to ski a couple runs, basically a, a couple years ago together. And, uh, you know, hopefully sometime down the line, we, we get a chance to, to do that again. And, and, uh, more than just a couple, that'd be real fun. Yes, I would love that. So, uh, it'd be great to make it back down that way as well. Um, it's a fun place. So, (laughs) well, Hey, thank you. Um, I'm going to let you get going and, uh, I will talk to you real soon. Hopefully. Excellent. Thanks so much, Jonathan. See you later. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. That's it for this edition of the Blister Podcast. Thanks to Elise for the conversation. And you can follow along with Elise on all of her adventures over on Instagram. Uh, And you should also head over to safeasclinics.com to learn more about the backcountry education programs that Elise and her co-founders are putting together. Thanks also to our other strikingly handsome podcast producer, Luke Alley, for his work on this episode. And you can check out more of Luke's deft production over on our climbing podcast called All Things Climbing. And finally, thank you, everybody, for listening. Take care, and we will talk to you again next week.